Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian, and today we are shifting away from our pastor's prayer, and we are going to talk about the framework of prayer. Kind of a, okay, so we've talked about all these different things about how we pray, why we pray, but we're going to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of of prayer and how do I sit down with nothing written and what should I do? So we're going to get into that a little bit today. Steve, how are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. Appreciate you asking. All right. Uh, well, if I ever miss asking, you just need to call me out on it. Um, so tell us the story. You've got a, I've got a piece of paper here in front of me titled teach me to pray. And we're going to spend this week and probably next week talking about this. So where does this come from? It literally came from a question of a freshman seminary student making an observation of an old man early in the morning in a suit on his knees against against just an upright chair when he had all kinds of soft furniture in his office to use. Okay. Part of the conditions and when I went to seminary, but I, I was it didn't necessarily begin this way, um, is the, you probably have heard of it, and then it was just in its infancy a place called Liberty University. Okay, yep, I have heard of that. Liberty University in, in those days had 67 buildings all over Lynchburg. And um, and uh, it was covered a distance of about 10 square miles, the way these buildings were set up, doing different things. So it was classified in those days as inner-city college campus. Okay. Didn't work very practically well. But anyway, within the city, across from the college dormitories, which was a converted hotel, was the library and the second floor was the was the seminary. Okay. And um, I was looking for a seminary to go to. And Liberty was looking for a maintenance director for their campus because they had a great need for somebody to manage and organize what was going on with their properties. I wasn't looking for a job as a director of maintenance, but um, coincidentally, and there's no coincidences with God. Right. Early that summer, Sylvia and myself were very heavily involved in youth work in southern New Hampshire. Okay. At the same time, I was also a liaison for the Billy Graham organization, working with pastors. And so there was this um, um, weeks weeks worth of training at a Christian um, youth camp in upstate New York. And um, I had been searching my soul for a while. Uh, not for the youth ministry, but mainly for the pastor's ministry, ministry to pastors. Right. And um, I'd already graduated from probably the second best uh, Christian liberal arts college in the country. But I didn't know it because that was a miracle how I got in there. I got in there as a non-Christian. I was their missions project. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky for you, it was a success. It was. Actually, it was just because of Jesus, not because of me. Right. Right. I, right. I, it's, I, it's lucky for you right. that it was a success. It was lucky for me that Jesus was there. Yes. Right. Yep. Anyway, I went up there, and I found out that this particular organization had a Bible Institute. Mm -hmm. So I went to the... The, the director of the camp, the president, the founder of this organization, I says, I understand you have a Bible institute. And he says, yeah. I says, well, I says, when I went to Christian Liberal Arts College, 
I tried to get out of, I only took the Bible that I had to take. Right. I says, because that isn't what my major interest was. I says, but now, I says, I want to find out what I missed. I says, can I come to your institute? And he looked at me and he said, you already have a degree? I says, yeah. And he says, and you want to come to my institute, which is a non-degree program? I says, I don't care if it has a degree or not. He says, I think he says that it would be more to your liking to look at a seminary. So he gave me a name of a couple of seminaries. Okay. This is in the morning. In the afternoon, I'm supposed to go over from the mainland across this lake to an island where they were having this youth symposium. Okay. And the way to get there is you have to get on a boat. It's usually how you get out to islands. Typically. So I get on this boat, and I'm sitting in the front of the bow on one side, and there's a fine-looking gentleman dressed in a suit on the other side. All right. And, of course, we start a conversation because the boat isn't ready to go yet. Mm-hmm. And he asked me who I am and what I do, and I told him who I am, what I do, and why I was here at this symposium. And so um, I says, who are you and what do you do? He says, well, he says, I'm the president of Liberty University. And he says, and they invited me to be the speaker for this week. He says, so I'm Hence going. the suit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And so I says, Liberty I says, you know, I says, I just heard that name this morning. I says, about a place that I should look at for a seminary. He says, yeah, we get a seminary. He says, what's your interest? I says, I don't even know yet. I says, I told him, I says, I had a burden for pastors, and I wanted to find out what I didn't know. Actually, I wanted to find out how I could meet pastors' needs better than what I didn't know from the questions that were being asked. Right. So anyway, he says, well, he says, what college you go to? And I told him. He says, well, he says, what would you do when you were there? I says, well, I started out, I says, because I couldn't, I was basically on a free ride. I said, but there's no such thing as free rides. Mm-hmm. So I was on a work-study program, and I, says, and I started out in maintenance, and I ended up leaving as the maintenance supervisor. And um, I said, I went to work for Johnson's Wax, I said, which I'm working for now, for a few years. And um, now I feel that um, um, I got this ache inside of me that I need to be able to help pastors more than I need to sell products. All right. So he says, well, he says, why don't you come down and, and look us up? I said, well, I might just do that. So I did. Okay. Took two weeks off, drove down to Virginia, got there, let him know I was there. He says, can you, can you do me a favor? I said, what's the favor? He says, I get all of these properties, these buildings. He says, we're getting some pressure from the fire marshal in the locale. And um, and he says, we want to be able to abide with what they want, but we don't understand what they're asking for. Okay. So would you go out to our buildings and take a look and see what you can see and write a report on um, where we're deficient and what we need to do to be able to come up to standards? I said, sure, I can do that. So I went and did all, did all that. I got it all done. It's about time for me to leave. So I said to him, I says, here's your report. And he looked at it, and he says, bottom line. He says, how do we fix it? Right. I says, you have to hire a director of physical plant or a director of maintenance who understands codes, who understands buildings, who understands construction, understands the trades, to be able to put that all together to make those buildings work. Right. He says, well, who are we going to get? I says, you have to put an ad out, do some fishing, check out some credentials. I says, you'll find somebody. And he says, you wrote this report, right? I says, yeah. He says, you know what we need? I says, yeah. He says, what about you? I said, I did that for undergraduate work. Mm-hmm. I says, now I'm doing this, and I want to come to seminary to do that. And he says, well, he said, I'll tell you what. He says, um, we'll make it worth you all. I says, okay, how are you going to make it worth them all? He says, you have some children. Yeah, I do. He says, they can go to school for free. He says, your wife wants to go to school, she can go to school for free. She says, he says, you want to go to school as long as you want to go to school. You want to get a doctorate's degree, you can go to school for free. 
<laughs> All right, sold. <laughs> he says he says he says we'll provide for you a, a campus vehicle, and he says and he says we will make sure that you have adequate housing until you can find housing of your own. I didn't have any excuses, did I? No, not really. No. So I figured, okay, I know a way that I can get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Fail my seminary admissions interview. You have to go okay. through. Okay. So I, I went to the, I got an appointment, went to the seminary, met with the dean. He asked me a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. I did the best I could to disqualify myself. <laughs> <laughs> he asked me this one question. I figured for sure this would get me out of this. Okay. He said to me, he says, you're not here because you want to be another Jerry Falwell or a Billy Graham, do you? He says, I says, no. I says, I know Billy Graham personally. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know nothing about Jerry Falwell, but I don't want to be a Jerry Falwell. And I don't want to be a Billy Graham. Okay. He says, well, what do you want to go to seminary for? I says, I want to find out what I wasn't paying attention to in my undergraduate work. I said, so I can help pastors when I go back up to New England. Right. He says, so you don't really care about any professional employment in the ministry? I said, no. I said, I don't need a job. Last thing I want is a job. So he sat down back of his chair and he said to me, he says, that is the most genuine, unique response to this question I've ever had. Uh Uh-huh. He says, because of that, he says, irregardless of how you answered everything else, <laughs> he says, he says, I'm going to welcome you to the seminary. Class will start in two weeks. <laughs> uh, you shot yourself in the foot with your honest answer. <laughs> yes, I did. But God had all that under control. Yes, he did. Anyway, this man, his name was Dr. Robert Hughes. He'd been a missionary for some 20, 30 years in Africa, and he'd been a pastor of a few churches. And, and he was a, an earned, earned doctorate. And um, I would check his building early in the morning since I had classes there early in the morning. I'd be in there at 6 o'clock, and he'd be on his knees in front of his chair. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was strange. So one time I finally had to just walk in. Interrupt his prayer. Okay. And I said to him, I says, Dr. Hughes, what are you doing? I says, I come in. I says, there you are in your suit. I says, up against the chair. He says, he says, well, he says, I have to get instructions from the Father. He says, on what it is we're supposed to do each day here in the seminary. I said, but you got all these nice soft chairs. Why can't you sit in those chairs? He says, I can focus better when I'm on my knees. Mm-hmm. I says, why? He says, my prayer is intentional. He says, it's not done out of comfort. It's not done haphazardly. I thought about that, and I said to him, I said, do you teach the seminary students how to pray? And he made the statement, which kind of struck me strange. He said, I wish I could. Interesting. I says, you wish you could? Hmm. He says, yeah. He says, we're so focused on the academics of things. Right. He says, we forgot about the simplicity of things. Yep. So I said to him, I says, you know, I says, I'd never really been taught how to pray. Even though I went to a Christian liberal arts college, and even though I'd been working in some churches, I'm not sure really, how do you pray? So he says, you know what? He says, you're not much different than the disciples who were walking with Jesus. They didn't know how to pray either, and they were with the Son of God. Right. He said, but you know what? He says, it wouldn't have meant anything to them until they noticed that he was doing something different. Mm-hmm. He didn't pray like the Pharisees prayed. No, he did not. So what happened is, is he said, if you follow Jesus' example, what he physically 
did on a regular basis. And then you look at what he said when he actually answered the question to his disciples, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hughes said, well, the best thing to do, he says, I don't have a class on this. No, we don't, we don't have, it's not in our curriculum. He said, but you can join me here at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'll get another chair. <laughs> All right. And he says, like the disciples had to learn from Jesus, he says, you can learn from me. And so I did. Now, what we're going to discuss today is, is that in this template of prayer, right. which, which I'll have you read in a minute. Yes. As we go through it, we'll be breaking it down at the beginning about the authority of prayer, right? the adoration of prayer, mm -hmm. the attention of prayer, yep. the thanksgiving of prayer, yep. the intercession of prayer, the gratefulness of prayer, and ending up where yep. we began with the authority of prayer, because prayer begins with the Father, and it ends with the authority of Jesus Christ. Yes. So would you like to read the aspects that I have here? It's a template. It's kind of a prayer. And you can fit a lot of stuff in between the lines. That's yep. like, did you know that when you read the Bible, that more is said that's unsaid, what's between the lines, than what you're reading that you see on the paper? Yes. And prayer is kind of like that. Yep. There are, um, there's actually biblical scholars out there who I think they've gotten themselves too locked into a formula, but they believe that there's a certain number of meanings for every passage in the Bible. Um, I don't remember the number. It's more than five and less than 20. I honestly couldn't tell you what the number was, but, um, it struck me as interesting when I heard that. Initially. I was told. I was told that the told let the Holy Spirit teach you, right, and ignore man's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> What's that in Ecclesiastes twelve twelve? Beware the study of many books; it'll mm -hmm. make you weary. So, all right. So teach me to pray. I come to you, Father, in Jesus, your Son's name, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, and Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. Because of Jesus' saving grace, it is an honor to call you Father, because I am your child by adoption. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, High Priest and Advocate. With my guide and comforter, your Holy Spirit, I come before your throne. He leads me in a path of righteousness and lets me know what to pray for that is your will. You, God, are worthy of all my praise and devotion. I am grateful you gave me life eternal. I thank you, Jesus, that your love is so great you suffered for my transgressions. I stand before all the Godhead in awe. Your grace and mercy overwhelm me. Hear my praise and prayer through the Holy Spirit who speaks through me. Above all, let your will be done. I put my trust in you, Father, to reveal to me if there is any hindrance in my prayer. Forgive me and show me your correcting will. I want you to have pleasure with me. I want to stand with my Jesus, representing you. Thank you for hearing all the prayers in my life. Thank you for your answers and the move you have in my very being. Uh, let what I say and do bring glory to you and your Son. Thank you that you know before I ask what I am going to say. It is an honor to be in your presence to ask. In Jesus, your Son, and my Savior, hear my prayer for the needs of those you have created and love. I pray for these people, and there are many needs. I pray for your church needs. I pray for our spiritual leaders and helpers. I pray for those who govern us. I pray for the lost to know you. I pray for those who have wandered from you. Thank you for the entrance to your throne and hearing my prayer. May your will be done with them. In the name of Jesus, my Savior, your Son. Amen. 
It is a framework, but it's a good and uh, powerful prayer in and of itself. I want to let you know a secret. Okay. God doesn't speak English. Okay. Do you know what he speaks? The language of the angels. His own language, the heavenly language. So whenever you pray, don't care what it is. Don't mind when you do it. It's not subject to time, subject, or place. Right. But when you pray, the Holy Spirit actually translates your English or whatever language you're praying in to the language that God hears. Hmm. That's so, an interesting perspective on it. So the Holy Spirit says that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you even when you can't even know how to pray yourself. Right. But when you can pray yourself, the Holy Spirit is taking your words and putting them into the into the vocabulary in rhythm. The harmony, the melody and the harmony is what's called. Okay. That is a pleasing sweet aroma to God. So it's not Neat. just words. Yeah. Okay. It's worship. Right. Right. Prayer is prayer is an incredibly powerful form of worship. Maybe at some point in time we'll talk about how prayer is transformational. That would be great. I think uh, I think our listeners would like to hear that. I think they would need to hear that. Maybe I'll, after we get done with this, while we're working on this, I'll work on the transformational aspect of prayer. God doesn't mm -hmm. change. So do you get the clue? He changes us? He, that's part of the transformation. <laughs> you old worm, you, now you're a butterfly. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's kind of start going through our framework here because this is uh, unlike the pastor's prayer, which is you know pre-written as a specific prayer to pray. You know, obviously you can take it and change it and adjust it how the Spirit leads you, but um, this is not written in that same way. Um, this is meant to be a framework. This is meant to be, okay, you're not familiar with praying. You're Maybe you've never even prayed before. Maybe you've never come up with your own prayer before. Maybe you've only ever prayed something that's been written down by somebody else. And you want to step away from that, and you want to start praying on your own. It's called personalized. Yes. So... Or relationship praying. Right. So this is... Um, so this is kind of a template that you can use to lead you and guide you so that you can learn to understand how the Holy Spirit does direct you when you're praying. And will continue to direct you to the point where you will have your own framework that you've developed through your prayer life, and you will pray the way then God takes over the lesson, basically, and God teaches you how to pray the way you should be praying to him. Because it is personalized. I pray slightly different than other people do. Nobody prays the same. Nobody prays the same, and God doesn't want us to pray the same. So so this is a framework. It's a great, 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 great place to start. And so let's, uh, let's kind of break this down. So if I have never prayed before, how can I use this to pray something that's from my heart and not from being written down on paper? God is the God of order. Yes. And this is really the order of things. Yes. But yet God will honor a simple prayer of a person who's never prayed before. 
Yes, he will. He did for me with my first prayer. Okay. I wasn't supposed to live, and here I am. So God honored my prayer even before I knew him. Hmm. All I knew is maybe there was a God. Right. So since I couldn't save myself and nobody else was going to save me either, physically, never mind spiritually. Right. I decided it was worth the bet. (laughs) (laughs) And so therefore I prayed, but out of God's mercy, he was merciful. Yes, he was. And he did heal me. Mm-hmm. And he did change my life around because where I was headed, this was where everybody in my family has already been. And that's far away from God. Right. Okay. Wealthy in this world, but destitute in the world to come. Right. So if if we look at this, oftentimes we have to recognize the simple thing. Who are we praying to? Who are we praying to? Right. And why should we pray to him? Who is this God we're praying to? Right. That's a that's a great question, and one that uh, many people who are seeking him ask. And even people who just met him, or maybe they've known him for years and haven't really gotten a good answer on who is God. So who is God? If you take a breath, Mm -hmm. that's God. Yes. It's as simple as taking a breath. That's God. If you can see when you look out that window, that's God. Right. If you can hold a cup in your hand and drink, that's God. Or if I can drop my pen on the floor. That's God. (laughs) But the reality is, is this is God is our creator. Yep. We're created in him. It's his image. Yes, we are. And there's a verse in the Bible that says that we live and move and have our being in him. So if I'm going to live and if I'm going to move, then I better be in him. I could do it on myself. And when I do it by myself, I usually stumble and bumble around. Right. End up hurting myself in many cases because... I don't have his eyes to see, I don't have his ears to hear, and I don't have his wisdom on where to go. Right. So the fact is, 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 is that God needs to be preeminent. You can't live without him. And the fact is, 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 is that you have to come to the point of knowing that you need him, but even more important than that, that he loves you and he has good success and a good plan for you even though it may not be easy mm-hmm. nowhere is to say it's going to be easy however there is no end to his unfailing love right and he is um the ultimate creator designer he's the ultimate authority in our universe um and he is he is the ultimate being. He is perfection. And as such, he is worthy of every worship and praise and honor that we have to give to anything. He's worthy of all of it. One of the things that when you're younger and you're stronger and you're um, ambitious... Or just crazy. Fair. You don't think about the finality of life. You don't. It's not even a concept. However, when you do have the realization, and usually those realizations come not intended by yourself. Usually they're the result of a stupid decision you made. Right. Or an accident that you were in or an affliction that somebody else put upon you mm-hmm. and you come to a realization there's a help you need over and above everything that this world can offer right a lot of people don't think about this question 
What if I don't make it? Right. That's where I was. I was at the point where the next time I closed my eyes, I hadn't opened them for three days. Right. But the next time I couldn't open my eyes, I didn't know if there was going to be a next time I would open my eyes. Right. So the one time that I was conscious enough to realize my impossible dire situation, I decided to do something that was totally against everything my family ever taught. Right. Pray to an unknown God. Yep. Now, don't laugh, folks. I was taught that God was Jewish. God was the God for the Jews. That's what I was taught. He's Jewish. Right. So the answer is, why pray to a Jewish God since you're not Jewish? Yeah, well, he's the God of everything. But being that my family was in business, and I had we had done business with a lot of Jews, both selling and buying, Right. I knew that if God was Jewish, he was always be interested in a deal. So I just so don't laugh when I tell you this. In my immaturity, in my lack of knowledge of God, I decided to call him out on his Jewishness. Okay. And I says, God, I know you're Jewish. I says so. He, pro- he probably laughed at you. So I says, okay. I says, I want to make a deal. Here's the deal. I says, I heard that uh, you're supposed to be somewhat on the on the fair side mm-hmm. I says so I says I need for you to be fair I says I don't know anything about you I says no I have I had a chance to know anything about you in fact you know my family and I'm not even supposed to even think about you mm-hmm. I says but here's the deal I says if you save me and I'm thinking physically right I says if you save me I says when I get through with this thing when I get out of this thing I'll come and find you Okay. And I did. Mm-hmm. And some six to seven months later, he came knocking. I'm sitting, yep. I'm still sitting with a cast on this leg that was shattered all the way up to my hip. In those days, they put, they put you in plaster. Yep. And, um, and I was still basically going in and out of consciousness even six months later. Oh, wow. Still had a brain monitor on that they could read when I went out what happened up here. It was in a motorcycle accident. You, you don't, people usually don't end up real well on motorcycle accidents. No, no, not often. So anyway, God decided that for whatever reason, and I don't know the reason other than the fact that he's God and he loved me, that he was willing to um, allow me to survive this accident. Right. And so I did. And when he came knocking, I tried to minimize the deal. Of course he did. That's human nature. So I was sitting on my sofa. Nobody else was around. And I get this strong impression. No audible words. Strong impression. Okay. Time to make good on the deal. That my imagination, where did that come from? Right. You heard me. Time to make good on the deal. I know the deal. I know the deal. I haven't made any other deals. I know the deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, I'll, I'll make good on the deal. I said, you're going to have to show me how we're going to do this because I don't know where to go next. I didn't. And then, I was impressed to get off of my sofa and to go to my room where I had a desk. Why, I don't know. At this moment, I don't know. Okay. And I start fiddling around with my desk, not knowing what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And this impression is, open the drawer. And I opened the drawer. There was one thing I saw. And then... It was, look deeper. The first thing I saw sitting over in the corner of my desk, which I didn't throw away, I have no reason to even have this item, 
And for sure, if my grandmother saw that in my desk, there'd be holy hell to raise. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was a New Testament with a picture of Jesus. Really? Some, some preacher, I don't even know it was a preacher, but some little old fat guy used to come down the streets of Boston and pick up kids along the street and uh, take us to a place to go play basketball. Okay. And he gave me this thing. I figured it's a gift. Right. I'll take anything for free. Sure, why not? Okay, so I took that and I stuck it in my drawer. I never thought about it. I never opened it up. But I knew something. You know what I knew? I'd seen this picture before. Okay. Okay, and I knew that this picture had something to do with a holy person. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. Okay, fine. I see that. Then I start messing around. And this impression says, see that piece of paper at the bottom of your desk drawer? It's a mess. Okay? Pencil shavings, you know, uh, carbon marks from pencils mm -hmm. that have rubbed up against it. I pull it out. I'm looking at it. So? On the top of it had the same insignia, the place that we played basketball at. Okay. Okay. It was a shield with a cross on it, with some <laughs> with some other things. Yeah. Going around it, but I can't yep. remember the words. Yep. So I'm sitting there in my desk, bewildered. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do with this? It's my thoughts. Right. The answer is, you've been to this place as a child. Go find it. You know the direction. Mm -hmm. I thought about it. I thought about it. I said, yep, you're right, God. I says, I'm not going to find you in Boston. I says, I know all the crooks in Boston. I know all the players in Boston. Right. I says, they basically put on the religious garb and the religious smile. Okay. I says, I, I know who's playing what here. So I said, okay. I says, so you're up on the North Shore. I says, we're, um, we're, um, it's a little more civil. I didn't know where I was going. I honestly didn't know where I was going. Okay. I had a car in the driveway. If anybody was home, I would have been prevented from getting up with my brain the way it was. Mm-hmm. Okay? And driving. And they figured that no way I'm going to drive my car because it's a standard. And I have a full cast on one leg. Right. Okay. You don't know Steve. Okay? When Steve gets something in his head, it's going to happen. Steve knows how to power shift. Oh, gosh. Okay? <laughs> Using RPMs instead of clutch. Yeah. <laughs> so I had. Oh, the, boy. So I, had, I, I, I hope there's not many hills. <laughs> so I had the power shift. And all I knew was to go north, because all I knew was when that guy picked us up in that van, he took us north. Right. And so I went north. I didn't know where this place was or what it was. I just had this piece of paper with this insignia. I stop here. You know where this place is at? No, never seen it before. Drove a little further. I got off. I kept on stopping at gas stations. Mm -hmm. Finally, I stopped at a gas station. I says, I'm looking for this place. I says, you know a place that has that kind of a sign? Mm -hmm. And the guy says, yeah. He says, about 20 miles up this road. He says, you'll see that sign as a, as a sign to get off. He says, just follow that sign and just keep going and, you know, run you right into it. Okay. I did. Now... If you're not going to tell me that God doesn't answer prayer, okay, that God doesn't care about the unknown, right. about the people who don't know him, then you don't know the same God that I found. Right. Because I pulled into this place, and I didn't know if I was in the right place or not. I didn't know if I was in the right parking lot or not. I didn't know where I was at. All I know is I saw the picture. It was right there, and I went where I saw the picture. And I was the only car there. What really? do you do? What do you do next? And I forgot. It was one thing to get into my two-seat sports car. Uh huh. It's another thing to try to get out of my two-seat sports car when you have a full leg cast on. 
Right. Yes. Especially the one right next to the door. Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. So anyway, anyway, I'm sitting there trying to figure out how am I going to navigate myself out of this car now I got in. Right. Okay, but getting out seemed to be another obstacle. In comes another car. It's an old lady. She parks right next to me, and she comes out of the car with these two hand crutches. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness. I said, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> and she comes around to my door, and she looks at me, and she says, son, do you need some help? Here's a lady with two crutches. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got one behind my seat. And uh, she's asking me if I need some help. Yeah, yeah, I need some help. Yep. So she got the crutch and helped me out of the car. And she says, well, where are you going? I said, I don't know. She says, why are you here? I says, God sent me. I guess I caught her interest. <laughs> I'm guessing you did. She says, well, she says, um, why don't you come into my office and we can talk about that? I said, okay. So okay. I, I followed her into the building right in front of where we parked, and that was her office. So we sat down, and she said, uh, why are you here? I says, God sent me here. She says, why did God send you here? I said, I made a deal with God. She says, I have never heard it put that way before. She says, but tell me, she says, what kind of a deal did you make? I says, I told God if he'd save me, I'd find out about him. I says, can I find God here? She says, I'd like to think so. Right. And I says, what kind of a place is this? She says, this is a, um, a Christian liberal arts college. And I says, okay, I don't care what you call yourself. I says, I says where's God at? She says, well, you'll find him, she says, if in fact you spend some time here. Okay, fine. I says, sign me up. <laughs> she says, she says, first of all, she said, you graduate from high school? I says, yeah. I said, they let me out. Mm-hmm. She says, what kind of grade you have? I said, they let me out. <laughs> <laughs> she says, do you have a, a pastor's reference? And I says, ma'am, I don't even know what a pastor is. She says, okay. She said, we can work around that. She says, do you have a character reference? I said, do you want a character reference from the good side of the tracks or from the bad side of the tracks? Right. <laughs> I said, I can get you either one. <laughs> she says, well, she says, you got to fill out the application. I says, okay. I says, what am I in for? She says, this is a Christian liberal arts college. You're in for four years. <laughs> yep. She says, but she said, I'll tell you what. She says, first you have to fill out the application. And she says, and we'll send for your transcripts. And she says, and we'll let you know. I figured I didn't stand a chance, not one chance. Right. And so I'm sitting at my house, basically nursing my pains. Mm -hmm. And uh, two weeks goes by, and the phone rings. Mm -hmm. I'm home alone. So I answer the phone. Lady says, do you remember me? The lady who helped you out of your car. Yeah, I remember you. I says, you're going to tell me? I says, I don't qualify. My grades aren't good enough, this, that, the other thing. She says, you're right about all of that. (laughs) (laughs) She says, but you know, she says, I presented you to the admissions board. She says, and reminded them that we started out as a school for missionaries. And that in our mission statement is, is that we would fulfill the commission of seeking and saving the lost. She said, and I told, and I told them your story. Uh-huh. And they says, well, they says, since it is part of our mission statement and there is no logical reason why this person should be in this school. Right. That um, if it's okay with the candidate, he can come under a probationary basis. Okay. I said, what's the, what's the deal? And she says, well, the deal, as you put it, is this. She says, you can come and take a look at us while you're learning and trying to find God. And she says, and we're going to take a look at you. She says, if you don't like anything about what we're doing here and you're not interested in staying, she says, no problem. You don't have to come back another day. 
she says, if we don't like anything about you, she says, we're going to let you know and tell you and ask you if you really want to stay. Okay. I says, okay. And so I says, that's fair to me. She says, now, she says, you know this is a school. I says, yes. She says, you know, she says, you're going to have to get serious about attending the classes. Didn't want to hear that. Right. She says, you know, she says, you're going to have to read and study. Uh-huh. Didn't want to hear that. Nope, you don't. I made a stupid statement to her. Of course. I says, um, if I come to your school, I says, is there room to make other deals? <laughs> I always always had something to sell. <laughs> uh, sure. And she says, no, she says, you're coming to school. She says, on our terms. Right. Fine, okay. So the reality was, is this God worked there, too. Yes, he did. He worked in all of that. No. And you could even go so far as to say orchestrated. He didn't only orchestrate my education. He also orchestrated the talent that I didn't know I had. Okay. To basically manage and organize a maintenance department. Right. I had to work through every department, but I knew how to manage and organize. Right. So well, I think that's... That's a pretty decent picture of who God is. You know, he is, he is sovereign. He is in control. He does give us a choice. You know what he says? What does he say? Two words. Will you. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and the answer you know, is, I will. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and what's interesting is uh, people make those deals with God. I've heard other instances where people have been in, uh, shall we say, dire straits and made a deal with God. And lots of people go back on them. Lots of people don't follow through. And, if, you uh, know, if you know that your very breath is his. Mm-hmm. You don't welch on the deal. Right. And, uh, you know, I just... I'm, I'm just actually in my head going back to think, have I ever done that? Did I, did I ever welch on a bet, as you say, um, with God and... I'm going to say I probably have. Although, yeah, nothing, although, although nothing comes to mind, I get this very strong impression that I have. So it's, I mean, it's incredible. I think miraculous even that. It is miraculous. That uh, you did follow through on that. I mean, that is completely and totally of God. So well, my people, incredible. My people, when we make a deal... We keep the deal. Right. Otherwise, we're not worth worth. We, we have no value. We have no honor if we can't keep the deals. Right. It's interesting that I mentioned earlier on that I had known Billy Graham. Yes. I also told Billy Graham where he could go. <laughs> I was a sophomore, and he wanted to enter one of my buildings mm -hmm. because he happened to be on the board of the college. Okay. And I didn't know who he was. Okay. And I told him he couldn't come in my building because I was cleaning it, and he couldn't park there because he was in a no-parking zone. So I told him, get in your car and move it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, and, and the president was calling this building less than five minutes later. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> all right. So, so all of that, just to give an idea of God's authority and kind of how mm -hmm. he works and the different ways that he can work through. I mean, he is the orchestrator of everything. And so that's why he has the authority. That's proof that he has the authority. And we need to honor that. And we need to respect that. And when we go to prayer, we need to be acknowledging, this is who I'm talking to. 
this is, you know, I hear people and have said even, you know, it's talk to God like you're talking to your dad, like you're calling dad on the phone. And while that is true, this has to be a part of that as well. God is easier to talk to than my dad is. Because my dad was not a man of sympathy towards God. Right. I which meant be, he had, be that be that as it which may. Which meant he had no sympathy towards me. <laughs> right. Be that as it may. Um you know, we recognize we recognize that authority of who we're talking to and just everything that he's done and everything that he's capable of and that we are capable of anything is only because of him. So that's the authority piece. What's the what's the next piece in this? I think we'll go, we'll do one more chunk of this and then cut it well, off with, for this with, week. Within within the first paragraph, okay. Okay. Is the fact is is that you have to show God your adoration. Yes. Okay. Adoration is more than just respect. I would agree. It's it's really a deep love of devotion. Sure. And the problem is is is, is too many people treat God like he's an errand boy. Uh, yes. The analogy I use is a cosmic vending machine. Where do you put the money in? <laughs> the prayer slot. Okay. <laughs> you short swipe, swipe your prayer card and be you're short free. Cha- you're short of change, buddy. <laughs> but that's... You're right. It's... it's two hands that have to be held together. I mean, it's, he has the authority and we have to not only honor and respect that, but there's also the, that adoration quality that we have to recognize that God wants for us that which is better than we, what we want for ourselves. And if you can, if you can wrap your head around the idea that I am going through something difficult right now because that's better for me than going through something easy as far as God is and his perspective is concerned. If you can, if you can learn to wrap your head around that and learn to trust that there is a love for God that adoration that grows and you go to prayer and you're you're like all right god give me something good whether it's easy or whether it's hard give me something good and you can recognize he is the ultimate authority and he is also so loving and so generous and merciful and kind to us that he'll let us go through hard things that are going to be better for us than the easy things. And it's really difficult to wrap your head around that. God asked me a question one day. Now, what's that? It's a question that you can't answer off the tip of your tongue. Okay. Here's the question. All right. Who will you be in glory? Who will I be? Who will you be in glory? Yeah, who will I be? But God's asking the question, who will you be in glory? So in glory, meaning in heaven when I die. Yes, but guess who, what? Who will I be? You're already in eternity. I Right, right. now, okay? Right, and on some, the other side of temporary. And, sometime, and sometimes we dismiss that. So we do. when God has asked me that question, who will you be in glory? You can't answer it immediately. No. You got to step back and you got to think about who is this God and what has he meant to you? Mm-hmm. And where has he shown his presence? How has he answered for you? What is his intent for the future? And when you start asking all of those questions, now you can better handle, even though you don't totally understand it, we won't on this side of heaven, 
the value we have in God's glory. Right. Because you know what we're considered? Two things. We're considered not only children of God. Right. We're also considered servants of God. Yes. So the question is, is what kind of child do I want to be now for him? Okay. And what kind of a servant will I be based upon the kind of child that I am to him? Who is my father? Right. You don't, you don't answer it off the tip of your tongue. No. And, uh, the simplest answer that I can think of is probably also one of the more complex answers that I could give. It's deceiving in how complex it really is, given its simplicity. And you touched on it with, we are a child and we are a servant, okay? When you ask that question, who will I be? I will be his. And that's a simple answer. But it has a depth that I can't even begin to fathom. Beyond time. Yes. Yes. Think about, think about the declaration that God has for his children. The declaration is that you will rule and you will reign with him. Yes. Is that nothing? That is definitely not nothing. That is definitely not nothing. So the question is, is what are you doing to pay attention? Mm-hmm. Remember we talked a little bit about boot camp? Yeah. And training? Yes. Well... I think that was before we hit record, yeah. but yeah. But the thing is, is, is that one of the things that some people will recognize and other people will have a disdain for is boot camp is designed to drive all of the you out of you. Yeah, pretty much. But they replace it, okay, mm -hmm. with well, who you are supposed to be. Right. And what you are supposed to do. Yes. Guess what? What? Salvation is trying to drive all of the who I was out of me mm -hmm. and replace it with all of who Jesus is right. in me. Well, in systematic theology, we call that sanctification. That's a big word. That's a really big word. Uh, Jesus says it really, really well, that we need to become less of ourselves and more of him. In my younger days, I would think that that was a word you use with the dry cleaners. A sanctification? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in Scripture it says we need to become less of ourselves and more of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the process. So, when you pray. When you pray. When you pray. Who are you praying to? We are praying to the one almighty designer, creator, and authority of all that is created in God. And under what authority do we pray? The, author we, the authority of his son, Jesus Christ. Authority of his son. Why do they have that dichotomy? How do I sum that up? <laughs> because... It's difficult because the, the Trinity is not something that we're supposed to fully understand and comprehend. That's, um, I think, just before you would get to the point of full understanding and comprehension of the Trinity, your brain would melt. Um, it's just not, it's not for us to know. Um, but one of the things that uh, Jesus refers to himself as and talks to the disciples about is that he is our mediator. And he, what does he look like as our mediator? Give me his, how he approaches the throne of God in mediating us. In mediating us? Yes. Uh, well, the best analogy um, that I'm coming up with right now um, 
is like a lawyer approaching the bench of a judge. And what is he wearing? It's in the Bible. What is he wearing? God gave it to Moses when he told Moses the instructions to dress the temple. Oh, the priestly garments? The priestly garments. Right. Because those garments represent things. Yes, they do. Okay. And those things are precious to God. They are. They are. But Jesus speaks to God on our behalf, and it's through his power. You know, he's, he tells us, ask in his name and it will be given. Um, which, again, we have to we have to understand that properly. But everything that was created and has been created was created through Jesus Christ. And understanding that God and Jesus are one and the same, but also different. And Jesus argues on our behalf. Who is our Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Who is God? God is the Father. He's the Lord of all. Yes, he is. Do you know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that his precious blood that was shed for you mm -hmm. now runs in your veins? Yes. What are you going to do with that? Hopefully really good things for him. But So, the Word of God says we are not our own. We are not. We are bought with a price. Yes. But yet, most of us try to do what? Things our on our thing. own. Things on our own. Right. And I think that the Son and the Father say, they'll learn. They'll come they around. They'll learn. We call them children for a reason. Yes. They're not grown yet. Yes. So So that's a good start. That's a good start on how to pray, recognizing the authority and who God is and adoring everything that he does for us. If I don't value him, then there's no reason why he should listen to my prayer. One of the things that hurts me the most, and I don't know how to say this gently, so I'll just say it. Okay. I almost get, I feel sad, but yet I feel angry when people are praying to saints. Yeah. And I, I feel, and, 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 and I sit and I think about who is spoiling the truth to get people to pray, even to the mother of Jesus Christ. Because Mary doesn't, can't make intercession for us. Right. The saints can't make intercession for us. There was only Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, only, only one blood purchased me. That's but, yet, but yet people true. believe that they are in right position with God because they pray to authorities or to names as good as they were, they can't save. They were good examples, right. but they can't save. Right. As great as Solomon was, eventually he returned to dust. That's right. His life was a vapor, just like all of the rest of us, except for Jesus. And I agree with you. Um, as far as that goes, I'm heartbroken at some of the information that's out there. Um, yeah, I could, honestly, I could start all over and we could go for another hour, but... I want to say one more thing. Yes. You were with me in the nursing homes this week. Yes, I was. Week. Last week. Last week, yep. And I basically was talking from an old song that was written in 1921. Okay. I'm thinking of a song today. It's another old song. Okay. The catchphrase of the song is where he leads me, I will follow. Yes. Remember I said that it was required in seminary to study the hymns, to study the songs? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to let you in on a secret. All right. 
Those songs you sing when you go to church, mm -hmm. those are your public testimony of what you believe. Yeah, I can see that. But the question is, is, is most people don't know what they're singing. So they can't live the life out of the song that they've just sung. But yet this is what they're testifying to is true. So when you sing, remember that you're making an oath before God. All right. It's pretty powerful. All right. So next week, we're going to get into the next few ideas. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have them written down. You do. Next one is going to be attention and thanksgiving. Attention and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Okay. That'll we're take gonna... most of our time. That probably. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Uh, keep listening and writing those couple of things down. And you don't need to take down the text of the prayer if you've been trying to do that. Don't don't worry so much about the actual text that's in here. That's not repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> what What is important is this week we talked about authority and adoration. Start your prayer with that. Next week we're going to talk about attention. And... God says, well, Jesus, actually the Holy Spirit says, if you open your mouth, I will fill it. Yep. So look forward to that next week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Steve, for coming in. That's my pleasure to share. Someday, just like my old Dr. Hughes, I won't be here. But at least I said it. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great week. <laughs>